Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I've been talking about the expectations that our God has of us and the expectations that we have of our God. And this program is the third program that I have produced on this subject. In the first program, I was talking about the expectations that our God has of us. And of course, the conclusion of that was that he has no expectations because he expects us to fail. When we fail, we do not catch him by surprise. He knows full well that we are going to fail, that we have a need for mercy, that we have a need for forgiveness. And so knowing this, he can then live and function with the expectation that we are going to fail. And so I was explaining this in the first program, and in the second program, I was explaining that we also seem to function as if we have expectations of our God, that we expect him to deliver because of our repentance and obedience, that we expect him to intervene in our lives in a divine way. And we tend to hang on to these expectations until we realize that we cannot meet his expectations of being obedient to him. And only then do we tend to let go of some of these expectations that we have of our God when we realize that in the end we truly have to rest in and depend on his mercy. When we realize that ourselves, then it's easier for us to let go of our expectations that we have of him. And normally these expectations have to do with the desires of our flesh. I was explaining that in the previous program, but that also we may have expectations with regards to the issues of the spirit, that we expect him to love us and we expect him to accept us. And I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm only saying that this is an expectation that some people have And unfortunately, it's not realized in a lot of people's lives. And the reason why these spiritual realities are not realized in a lot of people's lives is because of the other things they believe that have to do with their failure to meet God's expectations, that they believe that he is holding their sins against them or that he is disappointed in them. Things like that prevent them from truly embracing what he said that he would deliver to us in a spiritual way, in a relational way. And so it's not unrealistic for us to assume that he's going to do this. However, what I was explaining in the previous program is that when we grow to know him for who he really is, instead of living with an expectation of something that will transpire in the future, we tend to live instead being thankful for what he has given to us. And that expectation begins to change into something called anticipation, where we start to anticipate what he is going to do next. Not in the sense that we know what he is going to do, but we simply anticipate that he will do something. And it's something that we can look forward to. And through that, we are able to enter into a different type of peace and rest in our hearts. And that's where I was in the previous program, where I was explaining this in the context that we can be set free from our expectations of our God. 
And so at the end of the previous program, I ended at that point that if our God has no expectations of us and we have no expectations of our God, then what do we have? I mean, what do we really have left? And this is a very important question to ask because the fullness of religion, the totality of religion, the way that people define or understand their God or how they define their own lives is totally based on these ideas that God expects something of us and that we expect something of him. And if we let that go, if that is taken away from us, if that is taken away, then what do we have? And I have to say with all sincerity that most people will have nothing. And this can be a very sad reality. It can be a very sad reality. And this is one of the reasons why I hesitated producing this program, because I really do believe that God can use the circumstances of us believing that he has expectations of us and of us believing that we have expectations of him, that he can use these circumstances to at least direct us to him. We can at least be directed to him. We can at least start to turn to him and he can start to work with us in the midst of our confusion. But if we don't turn to him at all, even if it is in the scope of error, there really are fewer opportunities for him to do a work within us to reveal himself to us. And so I do hesitate to talk about this. And so if you feel concerned about it, feel concerned. And that's fine. I don't want to present this subject to take something away from people to the point where they have nothing left, because I do believe that he can use this lifestyle of expectations that he might have of us or that we might have of him to at least get us going, to at least get us started. But on the other hand, I don't want to keep this completely away from people because I do believe that this can be very helpful for those people who are growing in their faith, who are mature in their faith, who do know him well enough that they can let go of this life of expectations. And so this is why I'm producing this. I'm producing this for the people who have matured in their faith and so that they can have an appreciation for what he has called us to and for where we are normally going, and that is to have a relationship with him that looks more like a friendship than anything else. Let me talk about this from a worldly point of view for just a moment, and then I'll come back to this from a spiritual point of view. From a worldly point of view, I assume you have friends. Most people have friends of some kind. I know some people do not have friends, and that is unfortunate. But if you do have friends, let's say that you go and you visit with your friends. Now, let me ask you something. When you visit with your friends, do you talk to them in this way? Do you do you talk to them in a way of delivering to them the laws that you expect them to follow? Is, is that the kind of friendship that you have? Do you reserve time out of your busy schedule to meet with folks so that you can sit down and talk with them and tell them about all the expectations that you have of them, that they need to fulfill these expectations, that these are the rules These are the regulations. This is the way that you want them to behave. And if they don't behave in the way that you want them to behave, then you're going to find some way to intervene in their life and punish them. Is that the kind of relationship that you have with your friend? I would suggest that if that is the kind of relationship that you have with your friend, they're probably not going to be your friend for very long. They're probably not going to be your friend for much longer because eventually they're going to get tired of it. Trust me. But when people look to their God, sometimes they assume that that is their relationship with their God. And so how can they say 
that God is their friend. How can they really say that? What does that really mean? That's my point, and that is that many people do not have a friendship with God. They have no idea what that might be or even if it can exist. But I'm telling you that it can exist under these circumstances. That when you realize that he does not have any expectations of you, and I'm not saying that as a means of giving you an excuse to go out and indulge your flesh. I don't believe that. If you think I do, you need to listen to the programs I did on the subject of forgiveness. I explained that very clearly. Also, the programs I did on overcoming sin, I talk about it there too. I've given plenty of evidence to show that I do not believe that, that this is just an opportunity to go out and indulge your flesh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a real friend, having a friendship with your God. When you get together with your friends, do you talk to them about all the blessings that you want to have from them, that you expect them to deliver to you at some point? Maybe you don't talk with them about the laws that you expect them to obey, but instead you talk about the blessings that you expect to receive from them. No, that's not a friendship. That is not a friendship. If you think that's a friendship, you're really missing out on opportunities to have real friends. I can tell you that for sure. No, friendships do not exist on the basis of people having expectations of each other. If you do have expectations of each other, trust me, eventually you're going to be disappointed. And when you are disappointed, that friendship is going to die. No, true Friendships, true deep friendships that people have with other people are relationships that are without expectations. They are without expectations and instead are opportunities to enjoy the lives of other people and for them to enjoy your life as well. It is a different kind of relationship and it is a relationship that I believe that our God has called us to and can only be realized when we understand and when we recognize that he no longer has any expectations of us and that we no longer have any expectations of him, when we come to the point of being at peace with not having any more expectations of him, when we come to the point of being at rest, of no longer having any expectations of him, it is then that we can encounter him in a new and living way. And that is that we can look to him as a friend. Abraham spoke to his God as a friend. Moses spoke to his God as a friend. What do you think they were talking about? Do you think that Abraham was talking to God and God said, Now, Abraham, now I've got some expectations of you. Do you think that that's what he was talking to Moses about in the tent of meeting? That he was saying, Moses, I've got some expectations of you. These are the things I want you to do. And the next time you come to see me, I want you to give me a good report. I want you to tell me about all the success that you are having and being obedient to my commandments. I expect that. And if you don't, then I'm going to be very disappointed. Do you think that's the kind of relationship he had with him? I don't. I I just don't. I know a lot of people do, and I understand that. But I personally believe that when he talked about speaking with Moses as a friend, I see something very different. I see things like... He was talking with Moses about the things that he saw, about the things that he heard, about the things that he understood, that he would ask Moses about the judgments that he had to make the previous day, that he would ask Moses about the things that he was thinking about. He would ask him how he was feeling, especially when the people were behaving in the way that they were in light of the revelation of the living God right there in front of them. Perhaps Moses and him talked about the Lord having to be outside the camp in the tabernacle, 
waiting for Moses to return after being a judge over the people. Don't you think they would have talked about that on occasion? I can just imagine Moses being there in the tabernacle, speaking with the living God as a friend. And Moses saying, well, Lord, you know, it's been really good, but I have to go back to the camp and talk with all those people and resolve all of those conflicts that they're having right now. Will you wait here for me? And I can just imagine the Lord saying something like, yeah, Moses, I'll be here waiting for you. Go ahead. I'll I'll wait here for you. I'll just be here by myself, knowing that those people don't want to have anything to do with me. They're interested in what I have to say, but they're only willing to hear it through you. And so I'll wait for you to come back, and then I'll tell you a few other things to go tell them. Or if they have some questions, I suppose I can answer those questions, too, when you get back. I'll just wait here. That Those are the kinds of conversations that they were quite likely having. You know, when I think about the relationship that I personally have with my God, sometimes I think about what happened with Moses at the end of his ministry. When Moses hit the rock twice and the Lord told him that because of that, he was not going to enter into the promised land. I think about that sometimes, and I wonder what their discussions were like after that. What Moses said to God after that and what God said to Moses. Would this have been a barrier between the two of them? Would this have been an issue that would have prevented them from enjoying the kind of friendship and communication that they would have had previously? I personally don't think so, and this is why. The reason why I say that, why I think that Moses could have still enjoyed his perfect friendship with his God, even in the midst of the judgment that he executed on Moses by telling him that he would never see the promised land. The way that I can see this is by considering the question of what would happen if I was to go before the Lord after I physically die. What would happen if I went to the gates of heaven and the Lord stopped me there and he said, Aaron, I'm so glad to see you. I've been looking forward to seeing you in this way for a long time. And I know what I told you about having a place here. I remember what I told you about always being with me throughout all eternity. But Aaron, I'm going to make an exception concerning this. I want you to know that in your case, I just simply changed my mind. I know what I said, I know what I promised, but in this one circumstance, I'm going to change my mind and I would like you to go to hell. What would I think if my God said that to me? What would I think? What would be my response? What would be my attitude? Would I call him a bunch of creative names? Would I beg for mercy? I'm sure I would beg for mercy without question. What would I really think? What would I do? I've thought about this question, and as I have thought about this question, there really is only one conclusion that I can come to, and that is to say, yes, Lord, if that is what you decide, then that is the way things will be, and I will be at peace with this decision. How can I say such a thing? How can I think that way? Well, let me make it a little bit more interesting. What would happen if he told me that tomorrow or today? What would happen if he told me in advance, he said to me, Aaron, listen, I told you that you would always have a place with me, that you would have a place in the kingdom of heaven, that when you left this world, you would be with me throughout all eternity. But I just want you to know that in this case, I've changed my mind. I just decided that in your case, I'm going to make an exception and I want you to go to hell. What would I do? How would I respond to that? How would I change my life? In what way would my life change? I mean, think about that for a minute. 
If I was told by God himself that he's going to make an exception concerning his promises and he's not going to allow me to enter into heaven for no particular reason, it's just a judgment that he's just decided to make, it's just a decision that he has made, how would that change my life? What would I do? Well, there are a number of things I could do. I could just go back into the world and indulge my flesh, live a life of eating, drinking, and being merry in whatever way that I could. I might as well just do that, I suppose. Would I do that? I have really considered this. If the Lord told me that he was going to send me to hell, would I then spend the rest of my life indulging my flesh? And I have to say with all honesty that I don't think I would do that. I really don't. That if that was the case, I would still pursue a knowledge and understanding of him. I would still ask him for insights and revelation. And if he shared nothing with me, I would live the rest of my life with what he has already shared with me. That's what I would do. And I know that might sound a little odd, but the fact of the matter is that I am not saying no to sin because of his promises or because of his blessings or because of my place in the kingdom of heaven. I say no to sin because he has made me into a person who no longer wants to have any part in this world. And if the circumstance was that I could have no part in heaven, that still wouldn't mean that I would then want a part in the world. I would just be thankful for having a part in neither, understanding that that was the exception, that that was the situation. Would I stop telling people about the love of God? What would that sound like for me to go and talk with people and say, the Lord will provide you with eternal life and he guarantees that you will always have a place with him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even though he made an exception with me and he told me that he was going to leave me and forsake me, he still said that he would not do that with anyone else. Would I turn away from a life of being devoted to telling others about the love of God, the acceptance of God, the God who you can trust? Would I turn away from that? And as I have thought about this, I feel confident in saying that I would not, that I would still be devoted to telling people that God can be trusted, that he can be relied on, even though in my circumstance, if that was the case, that he would send me to hell, even though if he would make an exception concerning what he told me, I would still say the same thing. I would tell people, look, he can be trusted. He can be relied on. You can turn to him and he will complete you and he will keep you in his hands. He will hide you. You will be one of the hidden of God reserved in a special place in his heart. And that would never change. And I would do so knowing full well that when my time came, I would not enter the kingdom of heaven. I would still do it. I would. Now, I really believe, don't get me wrong, I really believe that there was a time in my life when there is no way that I would do what I've just described. There was a time in my life that if he told me that, that I would go back into the world and I would just forget him altogether. Absolutely, without question. And so if you think that you would have trouble with what I just said, don't feel bad, okay? Do not feel ashamed. Do not feel guilty because I will say with great conviction that there was a time when I would definitely feel that way. The fact that I feel this way now and today, to me, is only a description of where he has brought me. 
And he may never bring you to this point, and that is okay. There is nothing wrong with that. He may never bring you or others to the point of being willing to still live a life of thankfulness, as I have described in light of a situation like that. I don't want you to feel guilty or ashamed concerning this if this is not how you feel. I'm only saying this for the purpose of telling you that a change can occur in a person's heart And I am a witness to the truth that there is a God who does things like this to people. I am one who he has done this to. And that the reality of who he is is to me unquestionable. To the point where I would be willing to say, yes, Lord, if that was his decision. What happened to me? Why? Why did this happen? I've asked the Lord about this. I asked him, what did you do to me to make me into the kind of person who would be willing to do that and continue to live the life that I am living now, even in light of something like that, which I don't believe can ever happen. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe that that will ever happen. I do believe that he will be faithful and true to what he has said without question. I'm only speculating for the purpose of telling you that there is a reason why I would have this type of an attitude. And the reason why that has been revealed to me is because I know that there is a God and there is no other. I know there is a God and there is no other. And so if there is a God and there is no other, then there is no other conclusion to come to. There is no other life to be lived. There simply is no alternative The idea of turning away from him and living a life pursuing nothing but the indulgence of the flesh is simply not an option. It just isn't an option that that kind of a life is no longer possible. That is what has been taken away. And many of you who are listening to this will experience this. I don't know who will, but I do know that many of you who are listening to this will one day know exactly what I'm saying when I say there is no alternative. Because when it comes to our God, there truly is no other. Now, I know this, and I can say this with conviction only because I can reflect back on what he has done in my heart. But back in the time when this had not yet happened, I could not look forward and see what he was going to do. So you also are unlikely going to be able to look forward and see what he is going to do in you. Maybe he will do this, maybe he won't. Regardless of that, I want you to know that you can live a life of anticipation, that you can live a life being at peace, being at rest, knowing that whatever he is going to do, it will be good. It will be holy, and it will be real. And one day you will look back and you will reflect on the changes that he has made in your heart. And you can ask him, what did you do and how did you do it? And he will be gracious. I really believe that he will be gracious to reveal to you what he did. And through that, you will know more of who he is. And with that, you can be thankful. But again, how is this really possible? How can I have a friend like this? 
How would I be able to live a life with a friend who would eventually abandon me or turn me away from him? How could I live a life of him continually revealing to me what he is doing, how he is doing it, and even allowing me to participate? How could I have a friend like that, knowing that one day our friendship would come to an end? And how could I do so with peace in my heart and with rest in my heart? The reason why is because I can live without any expectations of my God, just as he lives without any expectations of me. And with that, we are able to experience a mutual friendship where we can participate in each other's lives and be thankful for each other's lives. Even when I consider a circumstance where one day our lives would part. But I know full well that that will never be. I'm only saying this to describe the reality of who he is and what he can do and what he does in the hearts of his people when he reveals himself to them. This relationship is possible because of the unification or the union of the forgiveness from God and our recognizing our need for mercy. When those two things come together, then it is possible to enter into this type of a relationship that I have described. But most people fail to enter into this because they are afraid of what will be taken away from them. If they rest in the complete forgiveness that God has given to us, they are afraid that they will lose incentives to say no to sin. But what I am telling you is that this is the only way. You must follow through with this because as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell, there is no other way for a desire for a life of sin to be taken away. I can testify that my desire for a life of sin has been taken away. I can say this with deep conviction now, but it was not taken away because I had enough incentives to put it aside. Listen, you may fear your religion being taken away as if it will lead you to a life of sin, but I am a witness that this is the only way to have a life of sin taken away. The only way to have a life of sin taken away from a person is when they know there is a God, they know there is no other, and he transforms them from the inside through his love, his acceptance, that can only be realized when a person rests in his forgiveness. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net